0: Welcome to the Once in Future Author Podcast. I'm Stephanie and I am so excited today to be joined by author Gerald Everett Jones. He's the author of, well, many, many things. Today we'll be discussing Mick and Maura and Brad, a romantic comedy, which is, I believe, his 13th book and quite a bit different than some of the other ones we've discussed here (laughs) on the show so I am super excited to be discussing a romantic comedy especially with one of my favorite mystery writers so thanks so much for joining me
1: well good to be with you again Stephanie and in the Red Penguin clubhouse
0: <laughs> oh i love that i love that i'm envisioning like a, an igloo of sorts with things
1: of <laughs> very distinctive beings
0: <laughs> i do love that i might have to change what my backdrop looks like to match that vision you just gave me
1: <laughs> yes 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 yeah so romantic, romantic comedy
0: comedy i i don't know did something happen in your life that were going with rom-coms is this
1: well this new? i did i did a series of three silly satiric they were like coming of age romantic comedies that started with my inflatable friend which had to do with this car jockey who tries to make his girlfriend jealous with a life-size rubber doll um that it's it's interesting because that one that one came out in 2007 and i just reissued it and and i realized that was before the introduction of the iphone Oh my so God. there's there's nobody's texting anybody in it it just seems very retro um <laughs> but no mick, mick myra and brad you know love triangle but the the inspiration for this was and it really it came out of left field in a way in that i was watching some of these pre-code hollywood classic comedies okay and so um um uh, you know Lubitsch troubles trouble in paradise you know some of the billy early billy wilder stuff uh then later george kukor and Tracy hepburn and the thing that really struck me was in this post me too world the the couples back then at least in those movies they were having a good time they liked each other they they were fighting with each other but it was a form of sp- it was mostly wit and i thought could you write that novel now and so <laughs> <I, laughs> that that's what this is and i've got this very improbable uh trio of mick mcgraw who is a high-powered hollywood agent okay he works for one of the big packaging agencies we changed the names protect the guilty okay <laughs> and uh we've got we've got brad Davenport port the Billionaire boyfriend. Now, of course, that's of course now a commentary or perhaps a satire on the billionaire boyfriend, because we've seen plenty of those. And then we've got Moira Halimi Joubert, who is French Moroccan, and she's a crack criminal defense attorney. Mm. But she was trained in Belcanto opera, as I was. I I trained, I trained for my speaking voice back. When I thought I was going to be an actor, that's a whole other story. But, (laughs) but somebody hears Moira singing in the shower at the tennis club, and they tip Mick and say, "You know, I heard this extraordinary singer, and she's singing Verdi." Okay. (laughs) But the thing, the thing is, and one of these, you know, of course, extraordinary coincidences can only happen in the movies and now we're talking about it right before the grammys on february the 5th Mm -hmm. is mick has got a pop star chiffon and she is street she is crime noir she's hip-hop but she has gotten inconveniently pregnant and she's canceled Uh nine weeks before her premiere of her show at the Mercedes Benz Arena in Berlin which just happens to seat 18,000 people so the agency's got to do something if they cancel the, the Vegas backers are going to sue them okay because this is really actually what happens when you I've I've known of an incident where I knew of a producer who actually sued the star for canceling at wow. the last minute <laughs> okay elizabeth elizabeth taylor called and said oh by the way you know he's not feeling so well and of course you know there was there were million there's millions flushed down the toilet in that deal so mick Meyer, and brad and the thing the thing that i realized in contrasting pre-code hollywood movies and pre-code is that they could be a little bit naughtier they could be a little bit (laughs) more suggestive but the thing that i realized in contrasting then and now post me too is that in some of the movies that i saw the female character in say a love triangle she would get freaked out every time the boyfriend showed up for one of her public appearances okay it was like a crisis of confidence it was like she was trying to discover her feminist self okay well that's not a that's not a theme you can write today okay Mm -hmm. now one of the things i realize as clueless male is yes of course women have always made the decisions whether they know it or not but um now i have myra really trying to make the decision of do I want to be a star, and do I really understand what that involves? That's that's like, and then you then you begin to realize. And I I modeled her show after Cher's farewell tour.
0: Ah, okay. I really had
1: to study it. Okay, and one of the things I I discovered that I didn't know is Cher has done a thousand concert performances in fifty years.
0: A thousand.
1: Her, this is like a lifetime of just being on an immense stage and and even though myra myra sings virtuously and they decide, okay, well, we, we can't do hip hop. She can't go out, She can't impersonate the other star. We're gonna have to let's do retro old Hollywood. Let's do some co- co- coverage like you know Linda Ronstadt did with Nelson Eddy Orchestra. She was covering Dinah Shore. Of course, the young folks don't know that that Ronstadt and Dinah Shore didn't stand on the stage with Nelson with <laughs> with, with Nelson Riddle at the same time. But never mind. Yeah, Jackie Gleason, Gleason Orchestra. Okay, but one of the things that. Myra has to learn is she doesn't dance at all. Okay, she's afraid that she's not afraid. She's not going to miss. She's going to miss the notes. She's not afraid. She's going to not be able to sing. She's afraid she's going to fall off the stage. (laughs) And so she has this dance instructor, Apollo is his name. He's a he's he's seven foot tall descendant of Maasai warriors. Okay, he's this tall lanky guy, and he says, "My dear." My job is to train you to do as little as possible. And she (laughs) says, what are you talking about? He says, you don't dance. She says, I know I don't. He said, no, in the show, you don't dance. And what I did was I studied that there's a very famous number in Cher's uh, show where she's coming down the stairs a step at a time to um, uh, Dove L'Amore, this flamenco num- number, and she's surrounded by a dozen bare-chested guys, okay? And what Apollo trains her to do is, he said, you are step, step, turn, step, step, turn, or if it's four, four times, step, turn, step, turn, that's it. And and he said, what's going to happen is you are going to have your eye on the lead male dancer to your right, and if you move the wrong way, he will move that way. And the the dance troupe is like a flock of birds. They all turn together. Okay. They are they are they are they are the they are dancing around you. But do you know what this impression it gives? This the audience will think the universe revolves around you.
0: Mm. <laughs> so yes.
1: she learns how to be a rock star. <laughs> and how to go on but you know the the thing that's really crazy about you know the portrayal of Mick and this this huge packaging agency because I've been inside some is his his office is post me too his office is surrounded entirely by glass there's no way there's you know and his, his, his couch his his casting couch the, the the couch he takes can take a nap on is about a foot wide okay right, right. you know, can't move, make a move on And actually billy wilder did have a couch made for his office that looked exactly like that uh but then poor brad davenport you know he's He's um hedge fund manager. He's got, you know, he's got a place in Jackson Hole. He's got a place in Cabo. He's got a place in,
0: <laughs> Poor in thing.
1: In the, in the farm in, in New Hampshire, but he's been single all this time. But the thing is that he's really kind of a nerd. I mean, he's a mathematician and he went to boarding school. He's sheltered his his entire life. And his one emotional attachment in his in, in his life was a dog who's now deceased. And Brad has got this thing. He he doesn't trust any women because he doesn't. It's not that he doesn't have any confidence with them. I mean, can you know? It's not impossible for a billionaire to score. Okay, <laughs> but he's he strongly suspects, in terms of like commitment or relationships, this dog he'd love to, love to replace. That dog is going to be more affectionate and more loyal than any spouse he could ever possibly have.
0: Ain't it the okay. truth? <laughs>
1: so, so, <laughs> yes, I, I, um, I'm, I'm the proud, um, guardian of two Jack Russell terrorists, so <laughs> I can tell you, uh, I, I do know a bit about that. Absolutely. Um, they're more devoted to my wife than to me, but that's that's a, a separate issue. But they are and, devoted. And, oh, oh, uh, to the to defending to the, we actually had a, um, uh, one of ours over that that we've had over the years she was about 11 pounds and she actually single-handedly took out a possum that was threatening in the backyard and um and and you know i i think they whether you think they're peaceful animals or not i really don't know but evidently Yuzuki thought this animal didn't belong here and um yeah no it took her about two seconds and and the boy dog was standing behind her like what do i do what do i do (laughs) (laughs)
0: even you with all of your books will never ever write a hero that is as devoted as a dog
1: (laughs) (laughs) well actually there have there have been canines in several of my books but (laughs) uh, yes that is informed by i my uh, years years and years ago i lived with Four cats and a smoker in the San Fernando Valley, and I had <laughs> attacks of asthma. And now it's never been more than two dogs at a time uh, in our, our our townhouse in Santa Monica. And I will say, with the ocean breezes and dogs instead of cats, um, uh, and 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 my wife of uh, sometimes she won't let me say how long, but um, <laughs> uh, I'm 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 very much more um, happier and well adjusted. I will say.
0: Fantastic.
1: Which doesn't necessarily make for great fiction, if you want to, you know, write a story. (laughs) Oh, this is
0: true. Good point. Good point.
1: You know, there's not. It's it's really not about, I mean, this comedy, the engine of comedy is really more about not so much resentment, but it may be misunderstanding Mm -hmm. or it may be deliberate attempts to draw the person out. You right. see, you've got you've got Mick in that love triangle. Well, Mick has got a he's got a couple of years on, on Myra. Myra's in her late twenties, and and actually Brad's a bit younger than she is. But Mick's in his early thirties. He's kind of been there and done that. He's you know he's executive vice president of the agency. Um, he's very much a power broker. But mm-hmm. the thing is, he he realizes from the very first moment that she quote unquote auditions for him in his office that he's going to fall for her wow i mean the 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 model for her is Cher. i mean she is she is tall mediterranean gorgeous long black hair and this voice of an angel but the thing is mick can't let it show he can't let her, he can't even imply that he would put the moves on her because it would be a violation of his fiduciary responsibility. But the other thing is his main thing, if he doesn't want the agency to go in the toilet, he's got to make sure that she steps onto that stage in Berlin because that fulfills the contract. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no matter what happens, she's got to get there. But if, but if she, but if she got pissed with him and, and she right. did, took a walk, yeah, you know, and. And he gives her what you know what the in this town they call a pay or play contract. Have you heard of that?
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely, okay.
1: right. So, so it's like okay, whether you go on or not, you're getting a mill up front and a, and a mill on performance. Wow. Okay. And so, um, and and the, you know this was he, he, I mean he had to induce this person who'd never performed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to to take this huge risk well he suspected that because she was used to i mean as a criminal defense attorney she's going in front of some tough judges and some some hard-nosed jurors and he suspected she had the guts to do this okay that if she said she'd do this she could so it wasn't a matter of bravery and yes okay he was going to get her all the support um that uh that that the best support the business so you know voice coach dancing coach publicist couturier well i mean and you know if you watch shares shares tours costume designer (laughs) each yeah she changes wigs i would say not every number it's because a, a concert's about 20 numbers she changes wigs about every third number wow okay and 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 they're drastic changes and it's interesting because i have i have the the um the arranger composer the he's he's like young 20 something um um fellow who who you know who would much rather would mother much rather write hip-hop than retro but i have him remark you know the real question is would drag queens want to be this gal So this is the, te- this is the real test. And, you know, I and that's the other thing is, you know, I, you know, my, my music background, I'm a huge fan of melody. I mean, you know, Verdi and Puccini. I, I, I even have trouble with like Wagner because the orchestra gets, you know, better melodies than the singers do. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really into a, a lot of the, uh, more contemporary stuff but but i do know um i do know a lot of the pop culture that goes through like that early era of of studio pictures you know that when mgm had you know what 100 people under contract right. you know, that that photograph with every that had everybody together in one <laughs> room uh okay you know they they really abused some people back then but i mean there there were some movies that really might never be matched that came out of that era and they produced them you know what one or two a week oh, i mean gosh. back when there was no back when there was no television you know cost a nickel to get into the cinema i mean this was this was the conscience conscience of of america and you know now that's one other thing that comes out in this experience is that moira realizes that in today's culture and, and this was always true, but it's true even more now than it was, is that a star is a brand. Oh, yeah. A star, you know, the combination of genre, style, um, and 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 dress and, and image, and of course, where you appear, how you appear, whether you're in movies, whether you're in, you know, concerts, or whether you're in clubs, and and a packaging agency as is spectacular artist name not to be revealed uh, a packaging agency is responsible for and will willingly provide the director the choreographer the music director the couturier the, the and the, you know so so the director will bring favorite cinematographer you know lo, you know lighting crew the, the whole thing and the agency will take their percentage of mm-hmm. each one of those pieces of talent and and the advantage is they've worked together before Right. Okay, they may not like each but they worked together before, so they are a package. They are a known quant- They are a low risk quantity to present to a studio or to a record company that's sponsoring a um, a tour. And but the thing that actually one of the real world issues that came up within the last couple of years is the Writers Guild got finally got upset and threatened to go on strike because the packaging agencies were also taking a packaging fee off the top. They were actually participating not only in an override on all those talent fees, but they might've even gotten a, a profit percentage from the studio or the network or the, or the, or the record company. And the talent wouldn't necessarily participate in that. So the, so you've, you've got these, the, the real kingmakers these days are not, isn't the modern day Jack Warner or even Michael Eisner. it's, 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 it's the power agents at these big agencies and it's not a single agent because it's a team. You know, there's the agent that represents the star. Okay. Well, that might be a $25 million fee or a 50. Well, that's how a movie budget gets up to a hundred million dollars. And, and the, and the ones that are a hundred million dollars are, guess what? The ones that are modeled on superheroes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it, yep. it used to be, it used to be, and this was true, especially during World War II, because the movie audience was primarily this the women who hadn't gone off to war. Okay. So these were, you know, single-parent housewives in a way, and and the young women who may have had, you know, defense jobs. And the movies were a lot about. Imagining you were a fallen woman for an hour and a half or two <laughs> hours. But then you know the the code said you have to be punished by the end. So I mean still a Dallas is a good model for that. But with <laughs> with the modern emphasis on on these big budget uh Comic-Con uh spectaculars, and notice they've got not one star but multiple. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of familiar faces. It's it's like it's like the 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 teachers and the villains in harry potter okay it's like you recognize everybody okay <laughs> well the thing is the budget is so big these people are getting a, a nice fee because they're doing one for them so they can do one for themselves right. so that that vanity picture that character picture that um you know uh bob de niro in um you know uh, the, 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 the gangster picture where you know he he ages okay you know that actually wasn't commercially all that big a picture, but he got to do it because, you know, the Bob De Niro can shoot the phone book. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's like he and used <laughs> to it. But but these days it's about evidently the demographic on those movies is fathers and their preteen sons will not only go to see it in a theater once, they'll go two and three times to see the same movie because of all the eye candy all the you know and and this is something you can't necessarily get even with your 3D glasses sitting at home so the movie business is you know yes it and the other thing that you realize again coming back to the engine of comedy is movies showbiz music the product besides the star the product is always emotion OK, and emotion goes across borders Emo- emotion doesn't need words to explain it. It's like okay. Jodie Foster used to say, they'll never remember our word. I say, but they'll always remember the emotion I, you know, with I delivered the line with. Right. And and this is and how they made you. And, and, in, and in some ways, in terms of like pulling us together and realizing where the commonality is in, in our right. cultural experience. That's another thing that was behind this is, you know, what what would it look like with characters that are contending with each other? But, you know, under different circumstances, they would probably all they'd all be talking to each other at a cocktail party. They'd all be friends. They'd all enjoy each other's (laughs) company. You know, what 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 would it be like? a couple that it's not about rivalry it's not about jealousy it's not about getting back it's not about scoring it's not about you know do we break up now or later uh it's about the thrill of being together and the fact, you know, and of course, you know, not only post me too, but post COVID, this is something we we, right, we, right. Have, we have to learn again, too, because we've been in this pressure cooker, you know, we may have been with, with our partners here, you know, through a whole lot more than really, you know, it's like, let's just go into separate rooms, you know, it's just like, <laughs> um, it's and, and then, you know
0: you know like you said yeah. earlier about post covid and, and and post me too books that can you even write this book anymore that's a challenge in itself isn't it
1: well and you know that's the thing and I, you know i found this with with um um you can't write the Ag- agatha christie mystery anymore
0: no definitely okay?
1: not okay the, the the and that, all, that that was the same formula used in the thin man same formula used in philo vance okay and um even to some extent, I was actually watching the um, um, Blaine, um, the, the the female sleuth uh, with um, uh, uh, Tori. I want to say Tori Blaine, but 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 it was it was Glenn, um it, it was a she was a hard-edged female reporter okay okay and so and so she and her boyfriend is is a cop and you know she's actually outperforming him in terms of coming up with clues and she's you know right, ring, right. rings around him but the thing about that those old formulas is you know it's all about you you've you've got a dozen suspects and you know the one who did it is the one you would never expect okay <laughs> although in the in the in the um Pre-code comedy. It was always the guy with the thin mustache. Okay? It was it was it was the, it was the creepy it's Latin But now boyfriend. once people
0: wear masks, it was it was yes. the
1: young Cesar Romero. Guy, okay, <laughs> um, you know somebody remarked to me, um, uh, they they said I put I put a character in here who's kind of an old friend of Brad's, and they're almost like they're almost like friends with benefits. Okay, she, it's like it's like anytime somebody leaves, and he kind of calls her, and 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 one of my beta readers said oh that's the june havoc character she never gets the guy <laughs> <laughs> and you know i didn't think of that model but yes that the 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 that's one of the marvelous things about the the contract player system was you know every time you saw edward everett horton as the boyfriend you knew he was you know a rich, somewhat effeminate, sophisticated, well-dressed, would would never, you know, he was never going to score on Ginger Rogers. She <laughs> would never pick him. But, you know, <laughs> he shows up. Or Eric Bloor as the butler. Or or uh, Franklin Pangborn as the, the right. desk clerk at the hotel. And um, uh, actually, my wife shared something on Facebook the other day. She found this clip from the Carol Burnett show. And actually, it had one an emmy for best satire or something it was like a uh half hour long homage to astaire and rogers oh and and they had ken berry as as um um fred astaire and he can he could he he could really tap dance Mm. okay and 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 of course you oh yeah carol burnett doing following apollo's advice and it's like you know step step turn while he dances around her <laughs> but they had roddy mcdowell on and i swear he must have he must have studied edward everett horton he was doing edward everett horton to a t really oh <laughs> it, was, it was delightful and then tim conway was frankly Pangborn with a oh my god you know, <laughs> the mouth pop i can't even do it but <laughs> yeah, so, so I was yeah I was trying to just rediscover some of this fun, and then of course nice. Tracy Hepburn, um, I, I I put a, uh There's a scene actually one of my favorite scenes in Adam's Rib where. Now they're married in Adam's Rib and they're both attorneys. There's a you know totally different situation, but right. in Adam's ri- Rib um, they it's this Kuker uh, establishes that they're used to giving each other massages. Okay, and it's it's been it's been the end of a particularly difficult day in court where the plot, of course, has them squaring off against each other in a case. He's the prosecutor, she's the defense. Okay, and um, and I think it might be alleged murder over a divorce, but it's 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 serious stuff. Okay, but he's giving her a massage, and then midway through the massage, she thinks he pinched her on purpose.
0: Ooh.
1: Okay. So um uh, I did a bit of a riff on that I'll confess but I mean you know, there's, <laughs> there's no copyright on massage scenes but uh, and, you know um no, no 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 dialogue borrowed here but 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 that that engine between the two of them I mean they did they did um they did pat and mike um which 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 which, which really has a lot to do with this she's a golfer and he's a sports agent and he's trying to build up her career Mm. and uh and then then they did uh desk set which was later which was kind of a of a satire on the ibm computer because she was this um corporate librarian who was in charge of all the knowledge base but she was going to be replaced he was an efficiency oh. expert and he was bringing the computer and he was going to replace her job oh and of course you know he, <laughs> he falls in love with her and decides oh maybe we better maybe we better <laughs> maybe we better keep the librarian after all uh, so um yeah so, no but that that chemistry I mean, the chemistry yeah. and then actually i don't want to um advertisement there is a best-selling romantic comedy right now called chemistry yeah. or lessons in chemistry which um <laughs> uh I, I i sampled i, I confess i've got all the way through but it's set in the 1950s which i i that also i thought was rather interesting so,
0: mm. yeah. so, well, i you mean know, it's, it's endless so much with mick moore and brad that you were talking about not just about the romance and the comedy but actually the whole industry such a fun inside look uh tell me a little you know for our listeners to understand who's a great fit for this i'm i'm hearing so many snippets of of people and demographics that would love to get their hands on this book well
1: you know know i you know i really like lady gaga and gucci i mean i think she might skew a bit old i don't you know again i I don't know the young demographic all that well um but certainly somebody who's got that kind of moxie and got that kind of i mean such a range of talent mm-hmm. um and you know yes the the couturier the style the brand <laughs> um but here i'll read you this just short short uh quote show business wasn't just a job change she jumped into an alternate universe a phantasmic place with its eccentric traditions rules and jargon a place where talent was never enough where emotions are manufactured delivered and manipulated as a product
0: Ooh,
1: ooh! you know and i think she said it makes some point you know i i've i've had more meetings than i've had rehearsals i feel like a bottle of ketchup yeah yeah
0: i mean it is a major commentary on what it really is like in the industry today
1: well, and it it is a business. And, you know, one of the things that's amazing in, in Hollywood is how you think a star's career is over. You know, you haven't seen them in a while. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, wow, they're back. Now, the latest formula, which I really don't like very much, is the, the aging male star. You know, <laughs> the Harrison Ford, the Liam Neeson. Okay, um, You see him. Suddenly he's like dressed like a homeless guy. Uh, He's down and out. He's grown a scraggly beard. He's got these craggy lines on his face. But as in the old Charles, Charles Bronson revenge formulas in the first reel, somebody kills a member of his family or someone dear to him. Mm. And so he picks up a semi-automatic weapon <laughs> to show he still got balls and he goes after the bad guys to give them worse than he got. And so the, the billboard is, you know, Harrison Ford with a, a you know, semi-automatic weapon and and and, you know i you know i i judged a student film contest years ago and it wasn't in the hood okay it was a private school and there were there were probably 30 entries and they they all had to make a one minute movie okay and i would say in nine out of ten of the entries somebody picked up a weapon to resolve the plot
0: oh my gosh
1: and i you know and, and it was most often a firearm that there was only one time that I remember that I think it was Japanese swords or something. Oh. Uh, but there was, there was one notable comedy in there. The, the, the one I gave the prize to, of course, <laughs> was a chaplain esque comedy oh. where, 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 you know how the ATM can eat your card. If it, if it sure. doesn't like you, or it thinks you know, you <laughs> happened to
0: me last week.
1: Right, right, right. Well, we we have this kid walking up to an ATM and he's put his ATM card on a string. Okay, and the and the ATM, yeah, to pull it back. And the ATM eats his card, and then there's the tug of war with the card and <laughs> the ATM machine. And I thought, not only is that brilliant comedy, it's brilliance symbolism it's like a whole commentary on you know chase manhattan bank and international Absolutely. international money laundry and you know all this other stuff and, and so that you know that, that verges on my mysteries you know i get into you know some of that dark stuff but oh my yeah, goodness um, the the movies always have fascinated me and I, you know I've, I've got a shelf full of of rejected screenplays and i i even i even won i won a writer's guild diversity award and that was for writers over 50. And I, you know, and number one, I had never, I'd had some options, but I'd never, I'd never written a credited movie. So here I am winning a writer's guild award for the, the career longevity award. Well, I didn't have a career to have one. And I Love told it. the head of the committee, I said, why don't you make this for writers over 40? Because in this town, it's, it's gonna be, you know, that that's really what's meaningful. Exactly. But yeah, no, in Hollywood, the writers who make money are um part of the writing room on a sitcom. Okay. And the, yep. that might be and you see, you know, Saturday Night Live. You right, might right. and the the so-called writing table might mm-hmm. have 10 to 20 writers around it. And you know, this is the the this is the one tip I will give to authors everywhere is I regard notes like from people like the 20 people at the writing table like neckties okay because i had a birthday party once where most of uh, there was a a lot of people in the room and most people didn't know me and it was amazing how many neckties i got and (laughs) i thought you know something these people don't know me so they don't know what my wardrobe is they don't know what i like to wear they don't know what fits but but also they all feel i shouldn't feel offended that they gave me a tie that sucks because they all feel like it's their obligation to give me something absolutely so i mean if there, if you've got if you've got a a, a developmental a development executive in a meeting at a big i actually in bonfire of the vanderbilts <laughs> <laughs> my historical uh, fiction i have a chapter where mike like michelle Hulebeck, i put myself in the chapter
0: mm-hmm. oh really? i have myself
1: i have myself walking into a meeting that would like would be at caa and the entire meeting is about what how i needed to raise the stakes if in the in this before i ended this book because <laughs> it'll never otherwise it'll never be a streaming series ah gotcha gotcha. so kill somebody blow something up you know let's see some blood
0: (laughs) well now now we know uh what what's in the uh the home stretch there but uh my goodness what a delight to to meet and and chat about mick and maura and brad uh so many fascists of this book um boy it's going to make you want to not just run out and, and go to the movies but uh Get a job behind the scenes too. Once you read
1: this. <laughs> well, at least you'll be able to defend yourself. <laughs> <when> <laughs> you know, so, you know uh, as as Myra says, you know, beware. As we say in 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 the courtroom, and I learned in law school, you know, beware when you're kissed because you're about to be screwed.
0: No, ah, and on <laughs> that and on that note, go grab your on that cheerful
1: note, yes, cautionary <laughs> cautionary note.
0: is and- learned. And I look forward to to, to seeing you again. I'm, you know, really confused as to what it will be next time. But I I love the way you keep it fresh every time, and always a pleasure.
1: Well, I I did I did get past a few blank pages on the sequel, so we'll see. Um,
0: All right, uh,
1: Chiffon is the hip hop character in here that they're replacing. And Of course, after she has her baby, you know, she wants back into the business, and so my my working title is Chiffon Makes Trouble.
0: Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll be looking for that. But in the meantime, Mick and Moira and Brad, a romantic comedy. Thanks so much for joining me.
1: Stephanie, so generous. Thank you as always. It's great fun.
0: Me too.